Institute for Faith and Freedom at Grove City College presents Liberty Mail with the Student Fellows of Faith and Freedom. Welcome back, y'all, to Liberty Mail with Aaron Jenks. And I'm Libby Krieger. And we're here in the underground studio here at Grove City College working for the Institute for Faith and Freedom. Super excited to what's upcoming for this podcast. We have an interview that Libby did with Grace Riley. Or Conservative Grace, as she's also known. Yeah, go follow her on Instagram. And she'll, that will be dropping on Friday of next week, so the day after Thanksgiving. So we won't see you guys till then. So happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your time off. Take some time to relax. Read a book. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, we actually just got back this past weekend. We went to a Young Americans Foundation conference for college students. Out in Santa Barbara. Yeah, it was beautiful. Amazing. We went from 82 degrees and then back to good old Grove City. Into Where it was a, snowing. A snowstorm of th- uh, 28 degrees. So it was a fun little trip. But we got a lot of key insights and learned a bunch from uh, some really good keynote speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had Larry Elder speak, which was I thought was fantastic. He was great. Yeah, Alex Marlowe from Breitbart. Um, Alicia Krause, I believe, and mm-hmm. so many more. Yeah, one of my favorites was uh, radio host uh, Larry O'Connor. Mm-hmm. In the DMV area. He's fantastic. Even though he kind of took a dig at podcasts. <laughs> he did. <laughs> but uh, we wanted to just kind of tell you guys about our key takeaways from this trip. Uh, we learned a lot about just California mm-hmm. as a state and whether their policy or anything. Because that was both of our first times in California, right? Yep. I know it was mine. Yeah, yeah, mine as well. I mean, amazing weather. I see why people flock out there for the weather, but... Everything else we learned, I understand why they're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> we did get in and out, though, and that was delicious. And they're conservative, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a Christian So company. all the better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the first key insight that we wanted to touch on was, like, this housing market in California. You think it's, like, I don't know, that it would uh, vary mm-hmm. from low to high and wouldn't be kind of concentrated. But the average house right now in California costs around $800,000. That's insane. And then the medium house is more than $600,000. And then when we, they did a study of, like, it, it was an 88% uh, jump from the national average over, like, a four-year span. That's crazy. I How cannot can even imagine that? an average home costing $800,000 in the state. And, yes, there are very rich parts, but I'm sure there are also a lot of areas where it, it is not wealthy. And so that just shows you the inflation over there and, and the amount of wealth. Yeah, I, I, well, Larry was talking about how his dad bought a house uh, in the 90s, right? And he bought it for probably like $80,000. And then when they wanted to go sell it, it was worth like $400,000, just a, sm- a little small, oh my like goodness. two-bedroom and house. And that was in California? That was in Cali. Must and have missed that point, but <laughs> But, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine just, it's got to be so hard to move around. Like, yeah. you got to be so stuck. And, and kind of like that freedom mm-hmm. aspect is like you have no uh, freedom to move about where you want unless you want to just pick up and move states. Yeah. And not even the housing market, but even the gas. And that's something that affects everyone. Mm-hmm. I think there are some places in California where it's about seven. I think where we were, it was close to five. Yeah, it was like 488, I think. Okay, yeah. And so we were talking to our Uber drivers and like trying to get a, a read from them. And they're saying how hard it is to, to make that work because... I mean, they're driving all the time, and gas prices are insane. And are telling them our prices back in Pennsylvania, which is high for us right now, but it's like three sixty-five, like, and they're like, "That's like the lowest it's been in California for a long time." Yeah, we were like, "We're getting screwed over here." Yeah. It was like three, three fifty, three eighty, and then we come over there and say that, and they're like, "You guys are lucky." Exactly, just the perspective difference. That's crazy. 
I don't know. And then even, I think this is a common trend across the nation, but California's definitely seen maybe like the most increase. Uh, I don't know how accurate the most can be, but 31% jump in homicides in 2020. We kind of see that trend going across the United States, but uh, Californians have been vocalizing how hard it's been hitting them. I know Larry Elders was really touching on that, that LA mm -hmm. and his, he grew up in uh, Compton, I think, for like a couple years. And he said, just, you cannot go anywhere without crime. Mm. And it, it's yeah. just, it's ruining the cities. And homelessness. And kind of funny story. Um, my sister just moved to San Diego. And the other day she was just out on a run and a homeless person like punched her face. And she, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, Your sister, it's you funny. Can laugh. It's, you can laugh too. It's funny. She's fine. Um, but this, yeah, this homeless <laughs> lady just gave a right hook to her face and like didn't even okay, woman on didn't woman. do anything to like get, cause her to do this. I have no idea. Um, I shouldn't be laughing she about take that. Anything from her? No, I no, I don't think so. I think she just like punched her in the face and then was on with her day. So that's not something that happens around here in Grove City. And scratch my head. <laughs> yeah, I know. So that's a specific example of the crime that you just don't see in many parts of the country, but you're seeing it in California. Mm -hmm. I thought the, like the best. Uh, little thing I read was that the FBI said since they started collecting numbers in 1960 that this increase of 31 is the largest uh, really? in U.S. history. Wow. And that's in specifically to California? Yeah. Wow. But it's a national trend that uh, mm -hmm. they said everywhere is just bumping and increasing. I know back in my hometown, Rochester, I have friends that uh, whether they live in the city because they go to school at St. John Fisher mm -hmm. College and there's been uh, a number of like three muggings in the past month of like mm -hmm. at gunpoint. Wow. And f I mean, Rochester is a pretty uh, crime intense city in yeah, the past, just, but just it's been pretty, it's been pretty good for the past like five years, but then mm. there's been this increase in the past year. Yeah. I think definitely 2020, a lot of people didn't have as much to do and they got into bad things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, desperation, I think right now going around the country. Yeah. And so another thing that we kind of took from the weekend in Santa Barbara was just how how much we want to incorporate more faith into this podcast in the future, um, even if it's not specifically Christian wins, but connecting Christianity and conservatism, because we know faith and freedom are inseparable. And Aaron, I know you're really excited about that. Yeah, I'm super pumped about that. I mean, here at Grove City, we constantly have had the uh, privilege to learn that, okay, conservatism is not just freedom by itself. And freedom by itself is great, but it's good to go unchecked. And it's, mm -hmm. like, that's a libertarian view. Yeah. That freedom is just great, but conservatism says, no, you need to check that and guide it mostly. Mm -hmm. And then the faith of the pillar of faith is what it's going to guide that down the road. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, it's all based on these, the transcending moral order, which comes from God. So you can't have true liberty without faith. Mm -hmm. and that's your, that's your natural law exactly. that is established in this uh, universe. I know like, so we were sitting there listening to all these speakers and a number of them would touch on their, their faith and say mm -hmm. Christianity has really either like propelled their career or helped them. Uh, personally with their family or anything. But then there's just so many times in the conference that whether it was students like us mm -hmm. or speakers were given the chance to kind of testify about how faith really uh, guides conservatism and guides their beliefs, and the, it was just kind of left out. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so there's this need to understand, okay, we believe in maybe like absolute truths and um, so, or objectivity. And it's like, okay, well, why do we believe in mm -hmm. these things and where do we find that? And why do we believe these so things are wrong, mm -hmm. you know? And the basis is uh, Judeo-Christian values. Exactly. And so we really need to kind of spread that message and pe open people's eyes to it. And I wonder if there's a connection to the conservative movement itself being 
increasingly secular, less Christians who are also conservative, um, with the fact that the libertarian movement has kind of pervaded conservatism as well. Like the the disconnect between the understanding of true liberty mm-hmm. um, with the fact that some many conservatives are no longer defining themselves as Christians. Yeah, definitely. Like, there's a lot of like uh, a religious mm-hmm. uh, conservatives that don't really want to do anything with it. Yeah, exactly. Because they also think it's it's more offensive, you know, to try to persuade people with Christian values, and they don't think it's as like as good of an argument. Mm-hmm. I guess. I also think there's this, this aspect of, okay, this is going to cause me to not be able to do certain things in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And there's a want to, like, be of the culture yeah. and, and go out. I don't know. just Yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> it, it, it's almost like the they're like, oh, I can't have fun mm-hmm. if I abide by these uh, the tenets of the faith. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, this is good to make you disciplined. Mm-hmm. You're still good to, like, yeah. have fun so much. No, it's, just, it's an interesting take. I think that's spot on. But moving into our, our next topic. So kind of looking at... The, these polls that were just released, um, they were done in October 2021 by McLaughlin and Associates, which is a, um, a good polling uh, company. And they are looking at some different questions on religious freedom, rights, and government. And so uh, one of them that I thought was definitely a win is, do you agree with the America's founders that rights are given to us by our creator? Um, and 73%, whenever it was yes or no, answered yes. Mm. So that's a pretty large majority of the country. And that's obviously, this is a pretty good sample of people from all over the country, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, um, male, female. And so I think it's a pretty good indicator of where actually the country is at. Um, and I wouldn't actually think it would be that high, but 73%, I think is, is definitely a win. Especially when we see like the biggest religious group right now in America is the nuns. Mm. And is that so true? I, I think so. I think it's around like 30%. Yeah. And Ken Gore, Dr. Ken Gore here at Grove City kind of preaches <laughs> on favorite, that. yeah. So um, that's really interesting. Um, I did not think it would be around there when I was looking through these charts mm-hmm. especially, but this kind of reflects more on my personal experience because mm. when I see this data coming and, like, you hear people like Dr. Ken Gore speak that the nuns are increasingly growing and, like, okay, faith is dying in America. Mm. But then I know this large population of at least uh, students our age Maybe they're not Christians or they don't uh, call themselves to one religious sect. Yeah. But they're, they're searching and mm-hmm. they're in search for that, uh, that uh, faith in their life. And they know there's something more yeah. to life other than just this nihilistic kind of viewpoint. that has been nothing matters. Yeah, that has been kind of spread around in, the, in our culture in today. In the postmodern era, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, maybe this is because the question is phrased also as creator rather. It's not necessarily invoking the Judeo-Christian God mm-hmm. that... Um, we believe in, but, um, so this could be maybe a, several different religions or, um, even just someone who believes in more like deism. Um, so that could maybe be why the number is higher than what the Christian population is. Yeah. And one more point that I kind of thought was telling that, okay, we have this section of America that are moderate in this viewpoint mm-hmm. that, okay, like they're not just, they haven't decided maybe and they're yeah. searching was, uh, does the government have the right to force people to participate in practices that violate their religious beliefs and of the moderates that answered i think it was like 173 said no and only 15 said yes mm. kind of scary that even people said yes though but yeah definitely and there's another one that was on civil disobedience and i know you had a quote somewhere mm-hmm. um in our notes but saying if the government oversteps their legal authority 
um, or engages in immoral behavior is civil disobedience an appropriate response? And 57% said yes. And well, I guess whenever it was yes, no, or don't know, only 46% said yes. Still plurality, but not a majority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not even like by a lot too, is the major- majority. Yeah. And so I think that's interesting given our, given our history of like MLK and um, some other times of kind of rebelling against unjust laws. Yeah, that one was a little off-putting to what you kind of like think about America and mm-hmm. you think is like uh It's in our, foundational. It's in our blood. <laughs> yeah, not, but I really like, so this is a letter from Birmingham jail that Martin Luther King wrote. It's, there's a lot of things I could go into, but I'll just read it. Um, so it goes, how can you advocate for breaking some laws and obeying others? The answer is found in the fact that there are two, two types of laws. There are just laws and there are unjust laws. I would agree with St. Augustine that an unjust law is no law at all. Now, what is the difference between those two? How does one determine when a law is just or unjust? And this is where natural law comes in. This is where MLK kind of points this out and agrees with Augustine. They said a just law is a man-made code that squares with the moral law or the law of God. And that law of God is natural law. Mm-hmm. Um, an unjust c- law is a code that is out of harmony with this moral law. And so when MLK is establishing, like, this is what their fight, this is kind of like the basis of their fight. Like, yeah, you appeal to um, people and their emotions, their empathy, when you're like, okay, look at this. This is unfair. Mm-hmm. Like, this is uh, unequal, the treatment of people of color in America. And that motivates them. But then why do you believe that that's unfair mm-hmm. and unequal to treat people in such way as segregation? And he's pointing to, this is the basis of his argument, is mm-hmm. that there is natural law in, in uh, creation by God. Yeah, definitely. And I, I know I think of with natural law, transgenderism law, that's the issue that comes to mm-hmm. the forefront of my mind. And I'm also maybe like more of a culture warrior than some. Um, <laughs> but you think like transgenderism as a movement is antithetical to natural law. A man cannot be a woman and a woman cannot be a man. And that is just facts and that... Um, is something that is totally out of harmony to use the phraseology of MLK with natural law. And that's something that would be therefore right to push back on if it were a law. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know like what extent to push back because like when we were sowing this discourse with the opposition or just opposing views, it's like, as soon as we say that, they just like, you're hateful. You're, you're a bigot. And yeah. like, no, obviously like, people with uh, good common sense, I would say, <laughs> when we say that, they're like, okay, that's what you believe. But if they if they cared, they'd ask another question, like, how would you treat that person? Yeah. And as a Christian, you're like, okay, I'm going to love on them. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what, I'm going to treat them as the same as I treat you yeah, in this exactly. room. And so while we can sit here and we're like, yes, this goes against natural law, um, we don't agree with this. We're not going to, like, support, um, we're not going to, like, believe in what you're stating but mm-hmm. we're then we're not going to treat you any differently yeah there's a difference between promulgating the narrative yeah. and, and loving the person because they are made in god's image absolutely there's definitely a distinction to be made and i think we lose that distinction a lot mm-hmm. so kind of like voicing that argument not even an argument but voicing that uh viewpoint to where at least even if the most extreme people in their views are like that's still hateful mm-hmm we're sitting here we're like we're, we're trying really not to like come, yeah. come I, I will host you at my house Let, yeah let's, exactly. let's break bread together i think lots of times it's the conservative we have a tendency i know we talked about this at the yaf conference but to strictly focus on the the logical appeal rather than the emotional and exactly. so was it larry o'connor who said facts don't care about your feelings but we do mm-hmm. and that should be how we reframe the conservative message um rather than just being well facts don't care about your feelings like ben shapiro and that is true <laughs> mm-hmm. but 
to to a certain extent, like we should care about people's feelings because that is many people do appeal to that um, when making decisions, and we can't just come at it a purely, purely logical sense because that will just turn many people off. Mm-hmm. And look, what I'm about to say, like if you took this clip and posted it, what I'm about to say, you'd be like, oh, this kid's liberal, but ready. I'm that, ready. That, <laughs> that like statement with if you're just like facts don't care about your feelings, you guys are wrong. Um, yeah, conservatives, you need to stop being you conservatives are jerks. You guys suck when it comes to this. You guys just like either make fun. It's an easy joke to make fun of LGBTQ people and like rile up a bunch of people. So you guys suck. You guys are jerks. That's their viewpoint. And like they're not wrong to see that in the media. And especially when the media is so left leaning, mm-hmm. they pick up these kind of like sound bites yes, and then blast them and just blast. Them. Yeah. And then, then middle of America and even left and some on the right are sitting there and being like, wow, why are you being such a jerk? Like mm-hmm. that's my emotion is telling me that you're annoying. Maybe I'm going to go vote for the other side. Yeah. Okay, so your reframing is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, we care about your feelings. Facts don't. We're still going to use facts and argument and yeah. like because our ideas are better and that's what we believe and we're going to win. But we're but, also, we're given reason and emotion for a reason. And absolutely. we use both of them as human beings. And that's where, in conservatism, you're kind of lost without that pillar of faith. Mm-hmm. And time and again, people are just kind of pushing the faith side and only uh, promoting freedom to this, like, I, almost like um, idolizing freedom mm-hmm. to no extent. Exactly. And it needs to be constrained to, okay, what am I going to either believe in uh, my, like empathy for others? Mm-hmm. And so that's where faith really has a build, builds a big part. Yeah, and so we have a man on the street video that we're just finalizing editing on, but we are asking students kind of what they defined as conservatives, conservatism at this EF conference. So that will kind of play off of what we were just talking about is how do conservatives see, is it like a faith and freedom um, mm-hmm. connection or is it? Freedom. I know lots of people are like, freedom, freedom, freedom. Mm. And that's kind of what everyone's mind jumps to. But we do need to conjoin the two and make that known as an understanding of conservatism. Mm -hmm. And another last point on this polling, um, should religious exemptions for COVID-19 vaccine mandates be respected or protected in America? (laughs) When the question uh, provided answers of yes, no, or don't know, 60% said yes. So we have a majority and a plurality. Um, no, 27%, and 13% didn't know. Um, and I know we, we make a joke that this podcast is sometimes called Vaccine Mail because that's about <laughs> all we talk about some days. But um, little little tidbit of Vaccine Mail right here is um, 60% said religious exemptions should be respected. So that's pretty good. But you're still having 27%, which is over a quarter of the country, saying no. Yeah, I thought it was really helpful that this uh, polling kind of broke it down by regional mm. in the United States. And it's you would think that maybe, okay, the West Coast or the East Coast is like, just because of like what the media is kind yeah. of, what you see in the media, what you see in social media, you're like, okay, maybe Stereotypes. they're more liberal and they're going to say, okay, you can break uh, religious exemptions. But it's really evenly spread out between the East, Midwest, South, and the West. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no like large, unproportionate distribution. And so... That's like a little optimism for me that, okay, it's not... Maybe we're not quite as polarized as we... Yeah, I, I said this to one person in my class the other day because they came in and they are upset about some CRT issues. Mm. And I was like, look, you have one side that completely says whether um, like CRT is this and then it's, people say CRT is not this. Mm-hmm. I say more like, okay, throw away CRT is the example. Almost every time the actual answer or the truth is somewhere in between. It could be exactly in the middle or mm-hmm. it could be more towards CRT is this or CRT isn't this. Mm-hmm. But you got to be able to pull yourself back and kind of like have that unbiased opinion. Yeah. 
of okay the answer is probably somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. you have to be able to be to discern mm-hmm. yeah kind of going off of that into our last one you said crt and that brings us to um in loudon county virginia again the epicenter of the crt and culture war um, discussion in schools with transgender movement as well um, parents just announced that they have enough signatures to have the judge oust some loudon county school board members or at least um put them up for a question of whether they'll be ousted. So I think one win I see in this is the fact that, again, parents are really involved in their children's education and are caring, again, about what their kids are being taught because they realize that shapes the next generation. Um, And also just a level of subsidiarity of focusing on the local level um, rather than always just being focused on national politics. We know that is the time when most Americans vote is the presidential election. But I think these issues especially have refocused parents um, back onto what's happening around them with their school board, with their um, borough, and just the politics there, because that does have an implication for national politics. I really like that point. Like it, It's a focusing on the, on the local level instead of, okay, we're looking at the federal level, media, federal exactly. level. Why does that matter? That doesn't really... It affects us, but like when we argue about what is affecting us the most, mm-hmm. it's the local level. Yeah, what shapes our community, and communities are what shape people. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Larry O'Connor's point about, okay, if we're arguing like CRT is in uh, high schools or mm-hmm. public schools, CRT is not in public schools, we can't come to agreement. Mm-hmm. Okay, should CRT be in high schools? Yeah. And so that's kind of like at the basis of the movement right now. I think the parents are like, I don't want this in my school. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think, like, okay, if, if I was a parent, what are the top things I want my, like, child to learn about? It's like, no matter what, they're going to need math, science. Uh, they don't want a good sound history. Mm-hmm. And then that's the where kind that's of, That's where like, we diverge a little bit. But I also think that's where the bridge can be built between, like, people who are, like, uh, like pro-CRT so much. And, like, my main problem with CRT is when it comes to, okay, if are you – or so a proponent of CRT, if I'm talking to this person, are they going to want to keep – okay, whites are suppressors, or in a society there are suppressors and, uh, or the oppressed and the suppressed. Oppressed and oppressors. Yeah. Yeah. And so, (laughs) and so do you need that ideology to be taught? Or like, can we look at our past and be like, okay, absolutely. We we do a thorough history of like Mm -hmm. civil war and then we uh, involve slavery. Reconstruction. Yeah. Everything. Um, we go like, with like uh, the military acts after World War One, and how it was like maybe some unfair treatment of, of blacks versus whites. And then even schoolings. And we dive into details. But we don't teach the child that, oh, look at these horrible things. Oh, you're a part of that because yeah. of your skin color. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. That's a hit. That's the history. That's a past. We're looking towards the future. Yeah. How do we build with each other? Yeah, because we can certainly have a comprehensive view of American history that encompasses the good and the bad without teaching that the bad still predicts the future of this country. And also. I think it completely misses the the progress that we have had. And I hate to use the word progress because I know that's <laughs> that's part of like Marxist terminology a lot. But I mean, it's... <laughs> I think that most people still think of progress without the connotations of it. But now, with especially when we're talking about critical theory, I don't like using that as much. But, <laughs> but there is something I think, um, I don't know, just lost my train of thought. So that's really good. But <laughs> I understand. Here, I'll, I'll pick up a little from um, like when we're talking about the middle ground. And I was saying like we have to find this middle ground. Mm-hmm. It's in every topic. But like I think it's so crucial to the CRT point because I think that's 
like this is gonna be the next like maybe culture war like yeah. huge thing. I think it is. And it's gonna infiltrate almost like like corporate America is gonna infiltrate and it's already infiltrating uh, schooling. And so, how do we reframe the argument as conservatives? And that's what I was saying just previously is mm. like okay, we find that middle ground, but then we ask them, and that's like what we broadcast broadcast to America in the middle of America is like, do you want these couple ideas that there are oppressed and oppressors, or do, or do you want just a, um, a thorough history of American history of the good and the bad mm-hmm. without pointing fingers and assigning blame. Yeah. So I guess like like he mentioned, Larry O'Connor at the conference is um, instead of t- arguing about whether it's there or not, but saying, OK, well, if this is my definition of critical race theory, if this is in schools, would you want it? Yes or no. Mm-hmm. But lots of times I feel like that's kind of more it doesn't get to the root of the issue because like in his example, the guy on the, the phone just hang, hung up mm. because sometimes they'll say it's not in schools or that's not what it is. But at the end of the day, if you define it and ask them if they want it in there, they still do. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is just a small portion on the the end of the spectrum and maybe there's a lot in the middle. Um, but I still think, I think the conservatives have it right on this and I don't think there's always a middle ground to be had personally. I know we have mm-hmm. maybe, I'm a little more, um, it just depends. I have a different perspective on this, but I, I do think the conservatives have it right. And just because there is a right and a left doesn't mean the middle ground is always correct either. Mm-hmm. When I think about this, especially um, the main like proponents here to I feel like that they try to spread their message and like they try to get so many things without... So there's so many things in CRT that they don't voice, mm-hmm. and they I think they know that if uh, most people heard some of these ideas, yeah. they're like, no, we're not going to teach our children that. And so their main things are like um, almost like uh, akin to the civil rights. It's like, okay, we want equal treatment for people. Um, we want to just teach children about the history, about uh, how people were treated unfairly mm-hmm. in this country. And that is like the empathy or the empathy of people that pulls on. And so... It's definitely unfair how they're kind of like twerking this, or at least not even unfair, but I would say it's kind of like sneaky, and, and they're not telling the whole truth. And so to expose the rest of that argument, I think, is what will help yeah. either, like conservatism in the future with this. Definitely. So we just have to have good investigative reporters to actually expose what is being taught in schools. Mm-hmm. So then, I mean, that would be an easier way, because even if, if it's not, then we should know that, too. But if if it is being taught in schools, then we need to know what's being taught. So I think Loudoun County especially has really seen this debate. Um, but if we could see across the country, because I know some pe- at least like in my education, I felt like I did get a comprehensive um, look at history of American history of the good and the bad, actually focusing more on the bad in a lot of my classes. Um, and I went to school in Pennsylvania. So I know some people have said maybe down south they don't they don't teach about the Civil War in the right way or um, whatever it may be. So if we could have an actual look of what is being taught in schools across the country, that would give us a better way to move forward with the issue. Mm-hmm. When, when I think about my kind of schooling with this, I definitely, we had that aspect of, of good and evil mm-hmm. involved in American history. I think there's definitely um, moments left out of the negative that I, like I've learned in the past four years mm-hmm. from compared to high school. But then there's also that balance, like, okay, do we want to teach our children, like, overly negative things and kind of, like, weigh them down with the, the if I, when I say the sins of, of America, I, I don't mean, like, we're not going to teach slavery, but, like, do we want to teach them just, like, every little thing and every fault of our being, like, 
yeah. as a, as a parent, you don't constantly show your your child what your faults are. You have to be their leader of that mm-hmm. child. You're the role model. Um, very often, like either try to be a friend, but yeah, the kid it's, really just just needs a parent to lead them. Yeah, and and show them what the good is. In so life. it's like how how you frame it in, mm-hmm. in what you teach. Yeah, um, I think um, the he has a show. The host Bill Mayer Mar. Mm-hmm. He had a really good take on this, and he was saying he's talking to Como. I think it was was it not um, King Governor? Como? No, he's <laughs> I'm from New York. Gotcha. He's, yeah. <laughs> But uh, the brother on mm-hmm. CNN, and he told Como he's not against schools teaching about the history of racism in America, as I think most Americans are not. And that's, again, like the empathy part. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a difference, or that's different than teaching that racism is the essence of America, exactly. Bill says. And so that's like, we're not going to teach that America is inherently racist. Yeah. But, okay, do you want to teach that? Mm-hmm. And then I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, yes, we do want to teach mm-hmm. that. Exactly. Because if you if you teach kids from a young age that the foundations of what made this country are out to get minorities and people of color, then then they're going to want to tear it up from the roots. Because mm-hmm. if the foundation's rotten, you have to start over. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I think conservatives fear, um, and sometimes rightfully so. Uh, so, yeah, there's certainly a difference between teaching history and teaching that America is was racist and will always be racist. Yeah. Um, when I say middle ground, like more than not, it's more of an olive, olive branch mm. to like moving forward and building on this or even like building reform, whatever you want to say. Um, I, I like that you said like in conservatism with our ideas and especially with uh, Christian aspects, mm-hmm. a lot of the times there isn't that middle ground. And, like, if you're listening, you're like, oh, what's that middle ground? Ask some questions. We'll dive mm-hmm. into details. Yeah. But, um. No, that's a good point. Like, an olive branch to actually further conservatism, you can't just be mm-hmm. always staunchly like, no, this is right and you are wrong, but maybe have conversations about it. And yeah, then- it's like, okay, police, for example. Like, you have some conservatives who are like, no, there's, we're not changing the police, nothing. Then you have really extreme uh, views on the left that's like, we're going to get rid of the police. It's going to be a, a city council yeah. board. And then the olive branch is like, okay, let's reform. So that's like my middle ground. Like they're recognizing as conservatives that there are problems mm-hmm. in uh, this. Or being willing to hear them out at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least recognizing what you both agree on, mm-hmm. which is, in my opinion, like, okay, there are problems. We can reform mm-hmm. and like move forward, build better, but let's do it together and yeah. not just be at ends with each build other. Build back better. <laughs> <laughs> Tough. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, d- that's definitely a good take, and you're, I know you're really good at doing that with looking at the middle ground, so thanks for bringing that perspective. <laughs> well, is that all we have today? you have any more comments? I think we're just beating the horse right now. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think we've covered everything, so thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, Libby and Aaron here at Liberty Mail, and we'll see you next week, or you'll see uh, Grace and I next week. So have a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, y'all. For more information on this podcast or other programs, please visit faithandfreedom.com.